welcome to episode 111 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing? I am very, very well. I hope uh, you are too, Richard, and listeners, I hope you're well too. I hope by the time that listeners are hearing this, I will have finally moved home. That's oh. the only thing in my mind at the moment. <laughs> okay, well, that's a big one. That's a big one. So, yeah, well, We should good probably luck. be talking about stress and resilience today, but we're not. <laughs> we're going to talk about a completely different topic. Uh, but before we start, uh, how did the community meetup go in April, Richard? I want to hear all about that. Sure, sure, sure. So um, listeners may know that we have a free online community that's all about personal development, uh, the Work Life Psych Club. And each month we have an online meetup where members just meet up online and we discuss a topic of shared interest. And the April meetup was all about the topic of self-limiting beliefs. And obviously we've uh, discussed that yes. on the podcast a couple of episodes and um, this was really a great opportunity for members to sort of talk about it in the round. And it really was in the round. So I, I wasn't presenting, I wasn't leading as much as just starting the conversation off. And it was really, really nice because we had a mixture of people that were coming to the topic fresh. We had some people who'd really given it a lot of thought. We had some, we had a psychologist, um, a, apart from me. Um, and, and what we, you sort of boiled it down to is it's a, it's a human experience to have mm -hmm. beliefs that can hold you back. Whether you act on them or not is the key thing. Um, a root, a cause for a lot of these is, is comparison. Mm. You know, inappropriate yes. comparisons to other people and um, a sort of a oversimplification of how we view ourselves. So, you know, I am good, I am bad versus, oh, there's millions of things that make me hmm. who I am and um, and some ways that we can we can overcome them. So I have to say it was only an hour, but the hour flew by. Really, really enjoyed it. I looked up and it was, we started at 12.30 and then it was 27 minutes past one. And <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay, we need to wrap up. <laughs> so if listeners would like to join the community, you can do that for free at worklifepsych.club and you'll see the events calendar there. And we, we have these each month. And it's the members' community, so I always love to hear from members. What is it you'd like to discuss at the meetup? So we'll see what they come up with. Oh, so you have you got a, a topic for next meetup yet? Yeah, but I don't have it in front of me. So, oh, so, oh, no. So we'll all have to log in <laughs> to find out what that is. Well, oh, I tell you one thing I am trying to do because, um, you know, it is another commitment in, in the diary for people is to get as many of these in the schedule as possible mm. so people can look ahead over the months and see what's what. But it is as simple as just clicking the RSVP and then you get the Zoom link and you, you can join us. So I look forward to maybe seeing some listeners next time around. Yeah, that's great. And and if I can say, if any listeners have attended any of the meetups and they want to send us a few lines, I would love to hear directly from them as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you can send us an email, uh, podcast at worklifepsych.com, or you can just send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. So Richard, what is the topic of today's episode then? 
The topic for today um, is once again front of mind for me because I'm doing a lot of work in this space at the moment. I have been for the last few months, actually, actually for most of 2022, been doing a lot of management skills training with various clients. And the topic for today is what is it that stops us from delegating? Because delegation is a key team leader, manager, leader skill. And yet, you know, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. So I'd like to explore what it is that stops us. And then also, what could we maybe do differently to make it slightly easier? So fundamentally, one of the reasons that delegation is tricky is that, you know, when we're delegating, we still retain the accountability for that task or that activity, but we've delegated the responsibility for doing it to somebody else. So there's a little part of our mind is still focusing on that task and how well it's being done, even though we're not doing it. And we can fall into the trap of either micromanaging it and staying too involved, or we can accidentally lose sight of it. And then it comes back to bite us because whether we gave enough information or not, or we were too far removed, something goes wrong. And then we remember, oh yeah, that still sits with me. So it's something that can cause quite a bit of friction. It can cause uh, worry. And, and it needn't because there are so many advantages to doing delegation well. I really like that. I hadn't heard it put that way, the accountability versus responsibility. So you're still accountable, but you've made someone else responsible or someone else has picked up the responsibility of doing it. I think that's a great way of talking about it. It brings a bit of clarity to it, mm. and it and it helps people understand why they might feel a bit icky about it. Yes. <laughs> Technical term there. But the, <laughs> oh yeah, well, it's still got my name next to it, but yeah. someone else is actually going to do it for me. And the other thing that's worth clarifying, actually, is that delegation could be on a continuum of, of activities. You know, I might ask someone to attend a meeting instead of me, and that's a one-off thing, but I might also ask them to pick up a whole stream of activity that might yeah. last for six months. Yeah. And so it could be a single task could be an ongoing area of responsibility. And if we can think of it that way, it can free us up to notice many more opportunities to delegate. So we can, by the way we think about work, by the way we think about ourselves or others, we can get in our own way. And we can fall into lots of different traps that prevent us from delegating or delegating properly, delegating well. And what I'd like to do, first of all, by, by talk, instead of talking about, you know, what goes wrong is, is to actually talk about the advantages of delegation. Um, it is work. It is uh, something that requires skill. But if you're not delegating, if you're not delegating effectively, then you might find yourself firefighting a lot of the time. You're just generally jumping from urgent and important task to urgent and important task because you're not effectively farming things out to members of your team. But really importantly for them, they're not getting development on the job. Um, when we delegate a task, we, we might uh, set someone a bit of a stretch target there. They're doing something for the first time. They're doing something out of their comfort zone. And that's a great way to develop people. So they're not learning. They're not growing. There's also a risk if you don't delegate that you become a single person dependency. If you're doing lots of stuff, well, what happens when you're out 
ill or when you are unavailable for a half day because you've gone off to do something else. So by involving others in your work, um, you're not the, the single point of failure. And from an interpersonal perspective, you're not really demonstrating trust in the members of your team. Um, if you're keeping everything to yourself, you're one, not giving them an insight to what makes up your job, but you're also not saying to them, I think you're good enough to do this. Can you help me with it? And you will eventually, at some point, just overwhelm yourself. Because there's one thing we know about management roles is that they tend to grow over time. And uh, delegation is a great way of setting things down as you pick up other things. So lots of, lots of reasons that it's, it's really important to delegate, whether it's growing the team, finding a successor for you, demonstrating trust and, and accountability, but also allowing you to focus on the stuff that a manager ideally should be focusing on, or even focusing on the work that you most enjoy or you find exciting and interesting. Yeah. And you can see how why it becomes so difficult even just be, even even by pointing out the risks of not doing you can see the the amount of um i suppose i see the amount of work you have to put at that stage so that it then frees you up and and brings all the benefits and the one that comes to mind most strongly is when you're talking about developing your team on the job either the team or, or individuals is that learning involves mistakes a lot of the time. Exactly. And so I think that is one point where it's really difficult to go through. Um, and, and I find, I don't know what you think, Richard, but I find it very difficult. Well, no, actually I'm learning to see what are the mistakes that are part of the process and what are the mistakes that signal something else? Like, for example, um, the other person uh, having too much on or whatever, or not paying attention versus this is just part of learning. Mm, that's a really good point because managers new to delegation can sometimes see any error as a reason to never delegate again mm. or to never delegate to that person again. When in fact, if you take a step back, you might think, oh yeah, that was a mistake I made earlier as well. Or that was a, a function of the information I gave them. They didn't have the whole picture. Or actually, if I had been in their seat, I might have done the same thing too. Yes. So looking at, is this a critical error disaster or is this something that helps us identify a way to improve things? It's a really nice way of looking at it. So what, what gets in the way? I mean, you, we've alluded to one already, the, the, the fears associated with things going wrong. And I always sort of smile when that comes up. So frequently when I'm training a group in this, I'll say, what is it that gets in the way? What, what do we say to ourselves? And um, what if it goes wrong is a really common one. And I smile because it's, well, you, you get things wrong all the time. <laughs> we all do. So what are you doing? Are you expecting perfection? from people around you? Or would you be willing to extend the same flexibility to them that you extend to yourself? Things could very well go wrong, but what's likely? What's likely to go wrong and can you recover from it? So if you say, well, something might go wrong, you'll never delegate because the world is very volatile <laughs> and, and, and mistakes will happen because you're working with humans. You might also say to yourself, I'm too busy to delegate which also kind of makes me smile, but it's, it's a sort of a natural response. If you're very busy and feeling overwhelmed, you, you realize, well, I'm going to have to pause this now to explain to this person what's involved. And they might have questions and I don't have the time 
to show them now because I'm so busy. But actually, delegation is a great way of stepping back from being busy all the time. The sort of negative busy, the overwhelming busy. So there's a little pain, a little bit of discomfort involved there, right? Which is to acknowledge that the time it takes you to delegate could be spent doing the thing, but it's an investment for the future because the next time it won't take as long. In fact, the next time it mightn't take any time at all because the person is really familiar with the task. We might have unreasonable expectations of the standard of the work, slightly different to a mistake. Um, a mistake, we might all point to the same thing and say that's incorrect, but sometimes it's about my preferences for how it's done or my style of doing it or my very high standards. And I might worry that they won't be good enough or as good as me. And actually, that's a really good point to pause and say, have I got unrealistic standards about quality when it comes to this task or this process, this piece of work? Maybe I've been inflicting my own unreasonably high standards on those around me. And actually, maybe there's another way to do this that gets us to the same point, but there's just a different route to take there. And maybe I could learn from someone on my team. And maybe we could improve how we do this by exploring other ways. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think if we can get into that mindset of actually delegating, this might make things better. <laughs> then I think it, everything starts to to be worth it as well. We, we have to hold it lightly and, <laughs> and remain optimistic and positive. But it, again, it's a symptom of being overwhelmed that oh, I can only think in binaries. You know, it's it's either a success or a failure and I can't afford any failures. So let's just keep doing it the way we've been doing it. Now, of course, in safety critical environments and, and similar, you don't want to reinvent the wheel every time. But there are certain things that we can delegate where you think this might be a good opportunity to experiment. This might be a good opportunity for them to learn or just another perspective because I've been doing it for so long, fresh eyes might actually reveal something I haven't been able to see. We might also have concerns about the people available to us. To delegate to. And again, busy managers, busy people, we might oversimplify our view of them again into a binary. You know, they're good enough, they're not good enough. They're reliable, they're unreliable, or a very common one, they're too busy to help me. Now, we could have a whole episode talking about this particular point because I will ask managers uh, in the room, how do you know they're too busy to help you? Because people generally won't have that conversation or they'll ask them, have you got any time? And someone will say, I'm busy. But that's almost like an automatic reaction these days. I'm, I'm busy. So instead, it can open up a whole conversation about how do you know what team members are working on? How do you discuss priorities, relative prioritization? How can you visualize each other's work so you can actually see what someone needs to get done this week? And you're the manager. So you do have an opportunity to say to someone, I see your plate is full, but you know what? You can press pause on those activities and, and I give you permission and I'd like you to pick this one up for me, you know? So it's not like everyone is in their own box, unaware of what everyone else is doing. It's a great opportunity to share um, discussions of what we're working on and somehow represent that visually and have a, an open and ongoing conversation about prioritization because priorities shift. I think that having that uh, first thought of, oh, they're too busy or, or all these last things that you're saying as well are 
Exactly. The, the, the problem, not the problem, but the issue then becomes something that needs more space than just I'm delegating. And this is, this is my fear of delegating. This is why I'm not delegating. And it, like you say, it's really about, do we know, do we need to regroup almost in a way? Mm -hmm. There's something, it can point to something else that's going on uh, in the team. Yeah. It really can. And that, that let's press pause momentarily and, and ask ourselves, what are we doing with our time and our attention and our energy? If I'm too busy to delegate, you're too busy to pick something up. Mm -hmm. How did we get to here? Yeah. And maybe we should have a conversation about that. We can also have that simplified view that we've alluded to already. Well, they let me down in the past, so they can't be trusted. You know, And that's a very difficult thing to, to move away from because being let down, whatever that looks like, that stings and we remember that. However, if we can reframe that as that was an error that was made while someone was learning, um, if, if we're going to talk blame, then we need to slice that blame up like a pie and say, right, well, they missed the deadline, but I didn't give them enough information or I didn't ask them how they were doing. And actually the wider context was very difficult for us all. We can move away from that. They can't be trusted to, I might try a different style of delegation with that person and give them an, another opportunity because if we fall into the trap of that person can't be delegated to, we're kind of working with a team with one arm behind our back. We're not taking advantage of all the resources we have, the people, their knowledge and skills, and as we've said, their availability. Um, just one, one thing that's coming to mind around that as well, Richard, is that um, some of it needs so much uh, forethought in lots of ways. So I'm thinking, for example, if someone if someone has done something and we've lost our trust in them, it might, there's benefit in um, addressing that then, so that then we don't have to address it the next time we need to delegate mm -hmm. something. So to to really try to understand what's happening when things go wrong, and of course. It, for me, at least, it's very easy to something's gone wrong. I'll just leave it. I don't want to go there and analyze it. Oh, totally. But actually, the moment is then and not later on when we're thinking, ah, I wish I could do that, but I don't think they can do it because. So I think it's it, it requires a, what you're making me think is that actually this the, the concept of delegation actually requires a much broader view of our own practice and, and, and team practice. Yes. And as soon as we start to think about who can I delegate to? It makes us look at our team in a different way, hopefully, and maybe question some of the assumptions that we hold about people. And you're completely right that the short-term discomfort of having a discussion about how something was done incorrectly or someone didn't fulfill their commitments needs to happen then because with the passing of time, the details get fuzzy mm. and it can be a much more difficult conversation later on. So, you know, People can't be trusted is a very difficult, inflexible belief um, to hold about people. And of course, that will be obvious to those around you. If you're not delegating equally, if you're only trusting one person, that doesn't do a lot for the climate in the team. And, and you, of course, may believe that you should, and I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> should be able to do all the things. And that delegation is somehow a failure, uh, a weakness, because you're the manager after all. 
And I encounter that time after time when coaching individuals and they're talking about pressure and stress and busyness, they're, they're actually keeping their arms around everything because of an inflexible belief about their position and their capability. And somehow, as well sometimes, protecting the team from workload. So again, we need to understand what people are working on. We need to understand what's an appropriate task or responsibility to hand over to someone. We also need to, to think about what's reasonable for any one human being uh, to have on their plate at any given time. And this means that sometimes managers need to go back up. They need to delegate upwards to say, okay, manager of manager, you're asking me to do this thing. Yes. Now, which one of these things could you take off my plate to enable me and my team to do that? Because if we just have a passive yes, accepting everything that comes our way, we're going to hit the buffers at some point and everyone will be overloaded and we won't be doing our best work. That's a whole other episode, isn't it? Delegating up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but it shows you the... Yeah. Dry term delegation. Yeah. Oh, give me a checklist. I'll just follow it to do delegation. It can't be that hard. Well, it touches on so much of the stuff we talk about. Relationships, psychological safety, trust, um, flexible thinking, uh, dealing with discomfort of actual or imagined scenarios, prioritizing your work. You see, it, it kind of all links together. Um, so listeners, we haven't been pulling these topics out of the side of my head for the last few years. They are all relevant and, uh, it's just helpful to look at it as, well, might delegation be the reason that the team isn't having a good time right now? Or might a lack of delegation be, uh, how this manager has ended up so stressed and potentially burnt out? That was very negative. So let's look at some of the positives. <laughs> um, what could we do to move things forward? So if we view delegation as a skill, it needs practice. And it's always a good idea to start small and start small and safe. So delegate small, low-risk activities to not get a success of delegation, but to get used to the feeling of what it means to delegate something to somebody else and use these as um, tests as experiments to see what you can change about your style and just to experience it, to sit with maybe the discomfort of, I don't know if they're working on it right now. I have to trust them. And if it's low risk, if something goes wrong, it's not going to be a catastrophe. So please don't start with those big, high profile, high risk, challenging activities, because that, that won't necessarily end well. Thinking also about what you're telling yourself about delegation. Maybe you're falling into the, it's quicker if I do it myself trap. That normally comes out at number one on the list when I ask a group. Maybe you're saying you're too busy or they're too busy. Question those thoughts. Ask yourself how accurate and how helpful those thoughts are. And do you necessarily need to believe them? Also, those benefits. I've outlined a few things that can really help a team uh, when delegation is done well. What are the benefits for you? Maybe it will free you as an individual up to uh, work on that really incredibly interesting project. Maybe it will be about succession planning and equipping your team with the skills and knowledge to step into your shoes one day. 
but thinking about the benefits and not just thinking about the hassle factor. You can also, um, a frequent barrier is, well, what do I delegate? Where do I start? So there's two ways that you can do this. One is to look at all of the tasks in front of you in terms of their priority. Now, we've talked about how to prioritize things in the past. I'll put a link to the episode in the show notes, but we talked about the Eisenhower matrix where we have a four-box model and we take account of a task's relative um, urgency and importance. And combining these two factors gives us four boxes that we can put virtually everything into. We can sort our work. So things that are not urgent and not important but still sit with you, it may be that they're simple. It may be that they are straightforward. They might be time-consuming, but they still need to be done. They are ripe for delegating to somebody else, as are the things that are urgent but not important. As in, they need to be done quickly, but actually there's no, there's no, you know, catastrophe going to happen if um, there's an error or they don't happen perfectly. It might be that there are things that are urgent and important but are simple or within the competence of someone. And you can delegate those to allow you to focus on the things that are not yet urgent but are very important. And these often sit with managers. Planning, organizing, developing, um, all of that strategic stuff that can get pushed back and back and back by the stuff in box one, the urgent and important. Now, these aren't instructions because it may be that in your team, um, you don't want to delegate anything that's urgent and important given the skills of the people on your team. So this is the other thing we need to look at. Instead of just looking at ability, which is often our first place, you know, does this person have the ability to do this task? It's also useful to look at their relative willingness to do the task. Maybe they have a great interest in learning how to do this. Maybe they would be really keen to help you out because uh, it's something they want to step into uh, over time. Maybe it's a technical skill they want to learn, or maybe for their professional growth, they want to get exposed to these colleagues, these stakeholders. So if we think about ability and willingness, we can then uh, adopt a style that's really helpful, where maybe we are more like a sports coach, um, giving them instant, immediate feedback on their performance and we're being really supportive. Or maybe it's something where actually they have the ability and the willingness, I can kind of give it to them and trust them that I'll just get updated when it's done. So we need to think about, and this is where it's a little bit complicated, we need to think about the person we're delegating to. We need to think about the task we're delegating. We need to think about the context in which we're delegating it. And we do need to have a good hard look at ourselves and question some of our assumptions. Does that make sense? Completely. <laughs> it's not easy, but yes, it makes sense. Yeah, so it is. It's, it's not easy and it pays off. Mm. Uh, it's not easy and it's a great development opportunity because of all those things it draws upon. And it's a great opportunity to learn more about the people in your team. Yeah, if you see it like that, I think that that is often missed, that opportunity of it, it, it's hard work, it's painful, but it pays off in more than one way. I think that's uh, really useful. I've been talking a lot with clients and running a lot of workshops about conversation and connection at work. And it's really come full circle when we talk about delegation because it's very hard to trust someone if you don't know them. Mm. It's very hard to trust someone if you haven't spoken to them properly. So actually, if you don't feel there's trust or knowledge there, that's a good reason to reach out 
and start to get to know that person on your team. You might uh, give them a quarterly appraisal, give them feedback. You might um, check in that they're working hard, but do you know anything about them? Um, do you know about their interests, their career plans? Do you know what they're passionate about? These are things that it's really, really important for managers to learn about. There's also another misunderstanding uh, sometimes that delegation has to be chunky or significant. And if you look at your work that way, you, you, you might look at all these chunky things and go, well, no, they're all too difficult, they're all too important. But actually, you could delegate part of something. You could delegate, you know, go to the, the project meeting and bring back the actions. I'll take care of the actions. I just don't have the time or, or the ability to be in two places at once. So I'm delegating attendance, but not decision-making, for example. And of course, if this is something that's really holding you back, if you have the rationale for delegating and you could see yourself doing it, but you, you really feel that you don't know where to start, ask for help. There may be people that work with you who are delegation gurus. There may be some guidance you can get from a mentor in your organization or indeed training. You know, This is what I'm doing lots of at the moment. There are some very straightforward things you can learn uh, about how to make it easier for yourself. But fundamentally, this is one of those things in work where if we could avoid it because it's uncomfortable, we might well do that. But I'm going to say we can't avoid it. It's not sustainable to never delegate anything. So that's everything I wanted to share. What does that, what does that sound like to you, Pilar? That's, that is a, a, a very long conversation on delegation, and you can see how it can open up in all sorts of places. So I hope that many of our listeners, as well as myself, have also like broadened the topic and can look at it from a different point of view, because I think that, for me, that was really helpful. I, I often discuss it um, in terms of like an iceberg. If a team is getting everything done and a manager is getting everything done, it can also be that the manager isn't delegating at all and they're doing a lot of below the surface extra work just mm. to keep things ticking over. And it's at cost, yeah. uh, the cost of their uh, quality or well-being, and it's ultimately not sustainable. Mm. So we, we might not immediately spot a lack of delegation. It might not be obvious to someone outside of the team. But what we want to ensure is that everyone in the team knows that this is one of the things that managers do. It's part of the manager toolkit. Um, and uh, potentially in a, in a future episode, we could talk about some of those uh, key mistakes to avoid when delegating. Maybe you're standing up to the plate and you're all ready to do it. We could maybe discuss some of the things that can go wrong. So forewarned is forearmed. <laughs> We're at the end of another episode. Um, if you would like to give us feedback or ask us questions about this topic, please get in touch. You can email us at podcast at worklifepsych.com or send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych. We'd love to hear from you. Um, apart from that, it just remains for me to say thank you for listening. Thank you.